Kate Lebron, and I'm here with Jackie Hedeman for our podcast, The Cold Take. For this podcast, we write letter essays to each other, then we read them, then we talk about them. And this week, we're talking about roommates. Also, both times I said it, I almost said, I'm here with The Cold Take for our podcast, Jackie Hedeman. <laughs> it's me, your podcast. <laughs> Uh, I like I like St. Patrick's Day in Chicago. I hate the revelers. Like that's let's get one thing clear. It's just a beer holiday. Yes. But I like when they turn the river green. That's fun. I once did the architecture boat tour when the river was green and those were like oh. perfect conditions. That was awesome. But yeah, as I was driving over here, I went through kind of downtown and there were people getting ready to watch a parade apparently. <laughs> Didn't know we had a parade. (laughs) Well, I went to the grocery store yesterday and it was full of like rowdy people. And you know how there's a beer, not a beer. You know how there's a bar (laughs) inside of Lucky's. Yes. Which is a grocery store. There were people just drinking beer and like carrying it around the grocery store and like being kind of rowdy and like buying a lot of green things. And I was like, this is a grocery store. Yes. If listeners are not aware of this, I feel like this is a growing trend that most people will have observed, but I feel like in Ohio especially, there's usually a bar in the grocery store, and it's weird, right? It's just like, I'm like, okay, I mean, I am, you know, from Pennsylvania where you can't buy alcohol anywhere, and I think that's a giant problem, Um, Yeah, and I'm like, pro-alcohol, let's like have it available. Yeah. I'm not like pro-alcohol, but... I get you. (laughs) Having a beer bar, a a bar in a grocery store where people are just carrying beer around and like being drunk is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Not to be a prude, but Jesus. No, I feel like if that's going to be the case, it should be one of those like mock French market type grocery stores where there are like stations and then there's like the station where you can get a sandwich and the station where you can buy fish and like the bar station. Yes. And I don't know. There's a man who like hit on me in line really <laughs> awkwardly. And I think he was drunk. And I was like, is everybody drunk at the grocery store? It's like 1 PM. I'm just here to buy like Irish soda bread. Cause it's the one thing I enjoy about St. Patrick's day. Yes. Like, what are you all doing? Yes. The one thing I enjoy is posting that photo of Oscar Wilde's tomb before they washed it, where it says Aaron Gobra in lipstick on his tomb. That's good stuff. Yes. That is good. Stuff. I'm also wearing my Avenge Oscar Wilde t-shirt. That's a good ass t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, I I wish I could be more cheerful about other people's revelry. <laughs> I feel like I enjoy other people's revelry. And I enjoy like the spirit of days of just like national revelry. Mm-hmm. But what I hate about like this and Mardi Gras is the whole, like, this is just an excuse to yell loudly in the street. (laughs) Yes. And to, like, uh, drink in the street. Yes. Yes. But I, like, I mean, I have very fond memories of, like, nice spring day, St. Patrick's Day, taking walks through Chicago, just, like, feeling like you're alive again for the first time because of the weather. Like, oh, that's cool. Um. Yeah. I just don't like frat boys, I think is what I'm saying. I think what the core of this is that like when Protestant Scandinavian frat boys are like, I'm like, go fuck yourself. (laughs) Aren't we all? Yes. (sighs) Oh God. Do you want to read your letter? (laughs) I do. Also, I just realized that my, my brother Jacob is flying to Ireland today. Oh, I don't know if he knows it's St. Patrick's Day. You know? If there's anyone who would potentially not be plugged into that, I could see it being him. Jacob is so, like, indie that I feel like he's like, what's this holiday? What are you talking about? I'm just going to visit my girlfriend. She's studying abroad. One of the people I did Lambda with, who is in a different cohort, but we follow each other on Twitter, she's a flight attendant. And yesterday she was like, she was posting something about, oh my God, I'm working a flight on Saturday night before St. Patrick's Day to Las Vegas. Pray for me. Oh, Oh, that is rough. That is just like, oh my dear God. 
I wish her good luck. Yes. I also wish my brother good luck. I feel like he's, like, getting on a plane. Like, why is everyone fucking wearing green? <laughs> yes. Anyway, I will read my letter. Uh, dear Jackie, after some research into my own past, obviously the worst slash best kind of research, hashtag nonfiction problems, I can say fairly confidently that I've had a lot of roommates, not counting relatives or romantic partners. I've lived with 59 people. Let me tell you, when I arrived at that number, I basically felt it in my bones. <laughs> like, yep, it feels like I've had a lot of roommates, and that feeling is not wrong. That feeling corresponds to the number 59. That number is high pers- partly because it encompasses eight years of my life and partly because of very large shared houses in college. Looking at the number 59, I feel both kind of proud and kind of concerned. Like, I don't want people to think I switched roommates every week to get there or got evicted monthly or whatever. 59 people is why the idea of having roommates again makes me cringe and think I'm way too old for that. It's not actually about my age. It's about having gotten to know 59 people way too well. How loudly they slam the front door, their shower schedules, the TV they watch in shared living rooms, the products they keep in the bathroom, the food they leave to rot in refrigerators, how they cry after a breakup. Other than a few particularly non-observant people, they all know me in the same way. My freshman year of college roommates, we shared one room among the three of us, know how my corner of the room was a bizarre safety hazard, a lofted bed that somehow blended in with the desk and the wardrobe via a giant pile of clothes. My roommates know the various ringtones and songs I used as alarm clocks and that I hit snooze repeatedly, frequently. They know my habit of baking ridiculous numbers of tiny desserts when I'm stressed. Shout out to the time we used this for good and I made enough tiny cheesecakes for us to enter a dessert competition as a house. Yes, I know that stress spelled backwards is, in fact, desserts, and so do my roommates. Though I've had some extremely lovely roommates, shout out to Megan Alley, my grad school roommates who made grad school livable and are such good friends that it's ridiculous. When I think of roommates overall, I do tend to think of the bad ones. Out of 59, there have been a lot of bad ones, with bad ranging from annoying as hell to totally unsafe. There's the one who spilled rice all over the hall and refused to clean it up, rendering the hallway horrible for bare feet for months. Yes, we could have cleaned it up for her, but I think all 11 of the rest of us wanted to make a point. There's the one who beat her boyfriend in the house. We kicked her out. It was awful. Yes, there's an essay about this. There was the male roommate in high school who told all his friends we were having sex, false, which resulted in his friends coming over after school and propositioning me. Gross. Go away. There's the Holocaust denier in grad school, the guy who still owes me money for an electric bill, the woman who moved her boyfriend in without asking the rest of us if that was okay. Or roommates are a necessity of poverty, of transient phases in life, like college, like grad school. And out of 59, most of them have made my life slightly worse. The living with other people is maybe meant to increase safety, or that's what we're told. In many cases, oh God, it won't load the second page. <laughs> oh no. I have it. <laughs> Let me. How do I? Anyway, though living with other people is maybe meant to increase safety, or that's what we're told. In many cases, roommates have decreased mine. They've left the door unlocked. They've invited people over who harassed me. They've behaved violently in our shared living spaces. And having bad roommates also resulted in people feeling like they could weigh in on my life when it wasn't what I asked for. You should move out. You should say X, Y, or Z. Your life is a chaos, while mine is not, and I feel entitled to give commentary. Boring. Here's my commentary. There are probably only a handful of ex-roommates who I do or would talk to cheerfully. The main lucky thing with roommates in my history with them is that the ones I love the most are the ones I got to live with for the longest, and I'm grateful for that. But overall, I'm not into the whole roommates thing. Perhaps it builds character or whatever, but isn't that what people say about rough experiences they haven't personally had to have? What I know is that me having roommates is why my mom got into texting. I couldn't have honest phone conversations in the places where I lived, but we could talk silently through text. Though there's a way to tell the story of the 59 mostly bad roommates like it's only funny, like it's just a comedy special of my early 20s. I'm less interested in that. Okay, that's all. Love, Kate. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I remember the Holocaust denier who you blessedly did not let me meet. Did you not meet her? I didn't meet any of your roommates. Oh, man. <laughs> um, I will tell you that you might be thinking of the wrong person. Oh, oh I am denier. thinking of the wrong person. I did meet the Holocaust denier. I did. You're correct. I was thinking of 
everyone else. <laughs> of of uh, the two racist people? Yes. 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 Uh, they were racist, but not as far as I know Holocaust deniers. I feel like there are just so many levels of bad. Oh, so many levels. I like this because it's true. Like, most of the time, bad roommates in entertainment, the media, that's what I'm looking for, in entertainment. <laughs> Bad roommates in pop culture are usually like, keep leaving the toilet seat up, like, loud sex, but that's, like, the extent of it. Yeah. And and not, like, I will make your life kind of hellish. Yes. <sighs> Especially if it's a situation where it's just, like, people sharing a space without any, like, I don't know, other history or whatever it is. Yeah, I feel like one of the few lucky things with my roommate history is like, I haven't had the experience, which I know a lot of people have had of like, you move in with a friend and you're like, this is going to be great. And yes. then it's not great and you hate each other. Oh my God. I remember that from when I started college, like the college counselor at my high school was like, listen, some of you are going to the same school as some of your friends do not live with them. <laughs> yep. And I mean, I lived with friends in college where it was like, then you do get into fights over, like, bullshit. Yeah. And it wasn't, like, anything that ever, like, ended friendships over, like, roommate things, but it was, like, awkward. Where yeah. Where it's, like, I thought we were friends, and then you took a shower that lasted half an hour when I was busy. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> Whereas, like, the friends you make while, as, like, a byproduct of living with them, it's all, like, the friendship is predicated on knowing these annoying things about each other already. <laughs> Yes. And being like, we know how to live together and we're friends. Yes. Despite this. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like um, I've seen a lot of people post on Facebook of like, oh, my roommate is actually like scary or like dangerous in some way. And I need a new living situation and my housing is unsafe now. And that isn't really reflected in the media at all. No, not like, at all. No, there's like, I feel like I haven't ever seen a TV show where it's like, and then my roommate was terrifying. Right. <laughs> because, right, like, especially not, not to downplay, like, the tenor of those posts, but like, for that area between this person is literally a serial killer, or like a psychopath who's standing at my door with a knife every night or whatever, like, the area between that and like, oh, the person didn't wash their dishes again. Like. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big area. It's a big ass area. <laughs> uh, also, I'm definitely the person who didn't wash their dishes again. That's <laughs> She'll tell you. Oh, I have been that person. <laughs> I feel like, obviously, well, because that's a nice thing too, is like roommates who work out as roommates I feel like sometimes the ways they work out are like finding the places where your nastiness and their nastiness are like the same or like complementary. Yes. We're like, uh, I feel like I was more like laid back and Meg is more like everything must be clean all the time. Yes. <laughs> and we somehow made that work. Right. Whereas like my college roommates, we had pretty similar like thresholds of cleanliness mm -hmm. and so like not super high like stuff did not have to be clean all the time and like clumps of hair would gather but like I feel like we all kind of would like snap around the same time like weekly or bi-weekly and then it was like okay whose turn is it <laughs> <laughs> yeah I feel like that that comes it's like I, it sounds like y'all were also not the type to make a cleaning schedule. Neither was I like <laughs> none of the houses I lived in had a cleaning schedule, but it's like, you get to like a certain Wednesday and it's like, it's hell in here. We had a cleaning schedule for the kitchen and bathroom. Oh yeah. Cause none of us like liked cleaning. So we knew that it wouldn't happen and we would all just get more and more like passive aggressive about it. Mm -hmm. But like, the living room which had a carpet like there wasn't like a vacuum schedule so that was pretty much just like me or Janie being like nope nope <laughs> if I'm walking in bare feet and I can feel like the hair then it is time <laughs> to vacuum and that's still my metric <laughs> um one house that I lived in did have a very controversial dishwashing schedule of like 
everyone had a different night where they would wash the dishes. But so some people would definitely take advantage of that and make like a three course meal and leave all their dishes. And it's someone else's night to do the dishes. See, that's, yeah. That's some bullshit. That is some bullshit. But also I feel like, see, that's some bullshit now. I feel like early twenties or late teens, that's just kind of like the way things go. Yes. And it's just like, well, I guess I'm doing your fucking dishes. When I do think about, cause I'm with you. Like, I think that part of my life is over. Um, hopefully knock on wood, but I do like, I do think that if I were to get good roommates, I think it might be easier to find good roommates at this age than younger, just cause like yes. people tend to be nicer. <laughs> Yeah. And just like, I feel like we both would know what we were looking for. Yeah. Right. It wouldn't be like, well, they seem nice and they're not going to murder me and it'll be fine. Yeah. Or like, let's like really ask some questions about like what your schedule's like. Yeah. Well, like I'm, I'm more able to like articulate what I want and like have boundaries and stuff like that. And I imagine so would like the potential roommate and that just it just like removes so much bullshit when that's the case. Yes. Can you hear Ducky when she races? I just heard her. I was like, oh my god, I actually heard the rabbit this time. I know. I feel like every time I ask, I'm like, did you hear the rabbit? And you're like, no, you've lost your mind. So. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, I I'm glad to like feel like I'm probably done with roommates, but it's also like you're right. I think we. I would do better in it now. Yeah. Just because I think, I mean, people, I think a lot of the, like, more mundane drama of roommates, like, <laughs> un, like purely unsafe situations aside, like, the stuff where it is, like, oh, I moved my boyfriend in, and I'm just going to wait until someone asks me to move him out again, is, like, that quintessential thing of not imagining what it's like for other people. Or, like, oh, yeah. not having, you know, enough self-reflection to be like, am I the asshole? I think I'm the asshole. <laughs> and also definitely not enough self-reflection to be like, and the boyfriend is also an asshole. Right. <laughs> no, totally. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think being aware of, like, I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I feel like also, I mean, like, the biggest challenge there with, like, having roommates, I think, is, like, that annoyance of, like, I'm an adult and I should get to make my own choices. And if I want my boyfriend to live with me, like, why do I have to ask other people? Yeah. And, like, I, I empathize with that. And being, like, I don't want to answer to other yes. people about my choices. Yes. But it's also, like, well, you do share a house. So. Right. It's, like, there's some there's something of a contract here. Yep. And, like, sadly, if you want your boyfriend to move in with you, you should maybe ask someone. <laughs> I wonder if another reason people become better roommates as they age. Also, this is just like pure supposition, but I feel like I'm right, right? I think so. I feel Except like for the the person who I lived with in grad school who moved in toward the end of a year. <gasps> yes. He he was a grown ass man who was not a good roommate. Yes. Yes. And he's the one who still owes me for an electric bill. It is in my Venmo, just sitting there. Oh, my God. <laughs> but continue. Yeah, no, that's true. I feel like for many people, if not all, like maybe one of the reasons that they have mellowed as roommates is that they have had bad roommates. They have like had the chance to have bad roommates and be like, oh, that's not going to be me. Or yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> also... I'm sorry yet again for trying to set you up with said bad roommate. <laughs> I get bad. it. He was tall. <laughs> His tallness was not an excuse. <laughs> also, if I was looking for a roommate now, I know this sounds maybe ridiculous, but I would maybe make them give references. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's reasonable. I'm just recalling that said tall man, I talked to one of his former roommates when we were living together and was like, this is a nightmare. Was this a nightmare for you? And she was like, oh, yes. I didn't know you were living with him. <laughs> right. Like, especially that's the thing, especially in situations like that, where it's like, you know, 
his former roommates. And yes. if that had been me, like if I had been you, I would have assumed that because I had not heard anything terrible from them about him at the time, that he was a fine roommate. Exactly. Yes. And perhaps I would be incorrect in that like absence of information assumption, but like, that's just, you know, I think that's the way things should go. Uh, but yeah, the, yeah, <laughs> there is the other way of looking at it, which is like, Oh, they're just sort of, you know, being polite, not airing his dirty laundry, literally. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, Yeah. Which is why I feel like I would just be like, you must give me references and I will call them. And I will ask them. Yes. All three of them or whatever. Yes. <sighs> yeah, I can tell I sound really fine now after the 59 minutes. <laughs> 59. Uh, okay, wait, here's a good question. Because how do, how do you define roommate? Uh, so it's either someone who I lived in like the same apartment or bedroom with plus there were three houses I lived in in college where it was like we shared a kitchen we shared bathrooms we shared yeah living room, we shared everything I feel like but I don't count like apartment buildings other people who are neighbors right I feel like I have the same definition as you okay but I have some friends who live in shared houses who are like oh no I don't have any roommates and I was like but you you can't I mean, we've established neither of us to do this, but theoretically, you can't be naked in your kitchen. Like, right. I feel like if you can't be naked in your kitchen, you have roommates. <laughs> and it's, I feel like people, like, I use housemate and roommate kind of interchangeably. Me too. But some people seem very adamant in being like, it's not my roommate, it's my housemate. Yeah. Like, okay, but you can't be naked in your kitchen, so. Yes, that's a roommate. <laughs> <laughs> how, many, how many roommates have you had? Uh... One, two, five. Five? Five. Not counting, not counting, like, short-term, like, like writer's retreat situations. I'm not counting that. No, me neither. I'm counting people where it's, like, at least, like, six months. Yeah, no, five. (laughs) Five. (laughs) God damn it. I know. (sighs) It's And it was just college. Like, just college. And yeah, actually I should probably read my letter. So we have everything on the table. This is one of those topics. <laughs> okay, cool. Go. Cause then we can compare and contrast. <clears throat> Dear Cade, when I went off to college, I didn't want roommates. Like a lot of people, that was the one thing I absolutely did not want. I was an only child who had never shared a room long-term, and one or two-week jaunts sharing an entire sleeping porch at the cabin just solidified my anti-roommate stance. Furthermore, all the other things that worried me most about college had roommate implications. Like, I was scared of people who liked partying, and yes, scared is the right word to be using here. It was a fear of the unknown, of people in situations out of my and their own control. And I was also worried about not getting enough sleep. Of all my pre-college worries, by the way, this is the only one that may have gotten more rather than less pronounced in the intervening years. Back then, I was worried because, underrested, I'm not particularly sharp or friendly, and I knew that I would need to be both of those things to pull off college. These days, the prospect of situations where I know sleep will be difficult to come by worries me because, underrested, I become significantly more anxious, something that only increases as the gap between opening my eyes and greeting my first interview. Oh, my God, I knew that would be a problem. Uh, something that only increases as the gap between opening my eyes and greeting my first interlocutor of the day narrows. I need some time to pull myself together. I'm now, I'm now realizing as an adult taking stock of herself that I need a beat to get centered. Versions of all these worries were at the center of my roommate concerns. So too was a question that had more to do with my college selection than I like to admit the possibility of getting sexiled. Like, shared double room, sock on the door, no warning sexiled, which to this day still strikes me as super fucking rude. So I hate to admit this, but at the same time, I'm endlessly fascinated by my own decision-making processes. Of all the colleges I got into, one of the many things that made Princeton more attractive was the fact that, according to some real scoop on colleges book my friends and I read, students at Princeton were less likely to date than students at other colleges. Oh, sweet summer child. Soon enough, I would be disabused of my assumption that sexiling required the sexilers to be dating, but not, thankfully, courtesy of my roommates. 
I could write odes to my roommates. Some might say I already have. Of the four roommates I was randomly assigned freshman year, I liked and got along with all of them and continued to live with two of them, and we picked up another girl from our hallway rounding out the quartet, every subsequent year. Once, toward the end of sophomore year, I asked the woman who was in charge of roommate assignments for our residential college how she worked her magic. See, we, like I imagine a lot of people starting college, began with a huge questionnaire of our habits and preferences, music and sleep and political views and whether we smoked and seemingly every other thing under the sun. Did she have some kind of magic formula, I wondered? Anecdotally, it seemed people all over campus were good fits with their roommates. Not everyone was best friends, but the entire time I was there, I only heard two stories about people who couldn't stand each other. Surely there must be some nigh-on magic proprietary software to explain it. So I asked, and Karen shook her head. I look at all the other stuff, sure, she said, but it's really just music and bedtime. That's it. Later, I asked my roommate Janie what she had put down for music. Our bedtimes were all over the place. It seemed odd to expect a high school bedtime to survive the transition to college, but as a room, we did have pretty similar taste in music. Beyond that, we really got along. I had a tactic, I explained to her. We could list two genres of music as our favorites, and I like mostly all music, so I chose classical because I didn't want someone scary, and rock because I didn't want someone boring. Janie stared at me like I had just grown a second head. She had done exactly the same thing. The things I loved about my roommates were the things that made them good friends first and foremost, but they were also just good roommates. We learned pretty quickly what the give and take would have to be. In our first year, we were five people in a double, triple, and common room. The double should have been a single, and the triple should have been a double. The triple was also the thoroughfare to the hallway in the bathroom. It was a trial by fire for roommate living, and the fact that we all still liked each other by the end of it was all the proof we needed. Then, core roommate group assembled. In sophomore year, we lived in a quad, two doubles in a common room, and junior year in a slightly larger quad, up at the top of an old slope-roof dorm. Senior year, we got one of the campus housing apartments in a building designed by I.M. Pei. That was four singles, a living room, a kitchen, and a bathroom, all fit into the footprint of a right triangle. We took turns cleaning, though I don't think anyone really did manage to track down all the hair that gathered in the apartment's acute angles. At the end of four years together, it was hard to say goodbye. When we get together now, it's like no time has passed at all. We still fall into the same rhythms of speech. Before college, I didn't want roommates because I had never had them. They were an alarming unknown. Now I don't want roommates because I have had them, and I'll never be able to match the sheer joy of the experience. Still, I know if I do find myself with a roommate or roommates in the future, I might grow to love them too. My college roommates and I lucked out, but we also made our own luck. We made our own luck by learning to live with each other's weirdness, by being flexible, by knowing when to put our feet down, by laughing a lot. This letter goes out to the residents of T2 Byers Hall, Holder 64, 381 Little, and 53 Spellman. May you bask in the good vibes we left behind. I hope you're meeting friends for life. Love, Jackie. Aww. (laughs) That's so sweet. Hi, guys. (laughs) LOL. LOL. My roommates listen to this podcast, by the way. (laughs) Hi. Hi. Uh, I love uh, that you and Janie did the same fucking thing Mm -hmm. on that questionnaire, which is a very weird thing to do, and I can see you both doing it. Right? Because it's like, right? I mean, I, we also, (laughs) we also, for the same reasons, decided to live in substance-free housing freshman year. <laughs> because it was like so then within that it was like okay we know we're gonna find our people on one hand on the other hand these people better be some fun so <laughs> let's add some pizzazz via rock <laughs> rock music i know like not pop not hip-hop r&b rock <laughs> rock i'm not like do either of us listen to anything that would be described as rock i don't think so i mean like other than oldies because rock is kind of dead right uh, yeah and boring <laughs> that's the funniest part now is that rock is now boring yeah i feel like pop punk took over for rock yes yes <laughs> What year was this? Would have been like what? Two thousand eight. Two thousand seven. Two thousand seven. Yeah. <sighs> we were such babies in two thousand seven. Oh my god, children! We little children. Also, Princeton having the lowest rate of dating. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the book cool. was like 
Oh yeah, Princeton students don't date, but if they do, they meet and get married immediately and like stay together forever. And I was like, theory checks out. <laughs> Via Jackie's parents, for the casual listener. Yes. Also, uh, one of my freshman year roommates sexiled us literally every day. Motherfucker. And the way she would do it was we had a whiteboard on our door that people would like doodle on and she would just write the word knock on the whiteboard. So you'd like come home from classes and you'd like have all your shit and you'd be really tired. And the word knock would be on the door. And it's like, well, that like, I still, I mean, I am very unlikely to be in a situation like that ever again, but this still fills me with rage and it didn't even happen to me. Like, (laughs) The idea that you could be tired coming back from class and it might be late and you have to like wait in the like uncomfy common room on the end of the hall and just like twiddle your thumbs like Jesus Christ. Or actually, though, I feel like I did hear from one of the two people who did not get along with their roommates. It was like the even ruder one of like hooking up when they're in the room. The person who sexiled us did that, too. Oh, God. Uh. (laughs) Yeah. That was... She and I are chill now, but that was a rough year. (laughs) And, uh... Oh, yeah. One time... This didn't happen to me, but to our third roommate. So, our third roommate got home. The word knock was on the whiteboard, but she had just been to ultimate frisbee practice where she got hit in the face. Oh, God. So she was just, like, stumbling into the room and didn't look at the whiteboard and walked in on things and was, like, had the worst day ever. Yes. (laughs) That's the thing where it's, like, I don't know what's worse, getting hit in the face with a frisbee or what's happening now. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I just remember I was like sex out and hanging out in a friend's room down the hall. And I was like, maybe our third roommate will get home and join me as often happened, like in our hangout space. And I just heard a scream from down the hall. You were like, like, uh-oh. <laughs> like, why do I feel like this is related to my room? <laughs> anyway, but yes, yeah, sex island, not ideal. No, no. I'm glad this did not happen to you because it is bullshit it's such bullshit like I because like that's the thing communicate be like is there any way to not be in the room for a lot of amount of time tomorrow at this time like yes sure <laughs> yep yep or like I feel like then the logic would often be like well he has roommates I'm like so do you so do you <laughs> <laughs> like hey it's me your roommate yes or, like, I heard people talk about situations like that where he didn't have roommates, and yet somehow I always wound up at her place. And it's like, hello! <laughs> that would have, like, I think that that probably did happen, and it just wasn't brought up, but that would have filled me with rage. Yes. Of, like, I'm sorry, you're doing what to me? Right. For reason? <laughs> like, can we just, how about we move into his room, and he moves into <laughs> our, like... <laughs> But this was a lot of, like, my texting my mom was, like, I'm sexiled from my room again, yeah. <laughs> my poor mother. That's so – I imagine, like, do you think – this is probably unfair. Do you think that happens more often at um, more progressive colleges? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I mean – Like, I don't want – I'm not saying that the Republicans are right. They're not. There's nothing wrong with having sex at college. But I'm wondering if there's like some side effect of like being more open that's like, you shouldn't have a problem with this. I'm just expressing myself. Yeah, I feel like there was definitely like, like shame around sex at Wesleyan was sort of like banned from everyday conversation. (laughs) So it's like, I feel like the response that you were sort of supposed to have if your roommate was sexiling you was like, go get it, girl. (laughs) You know, there's a little bit of that. But if it happens every day, it's kind of like, and you got it yesterday. Yes. (laughs) Like the same time. Congratulations. But um, my retainer's in there. (laughs) Yeah, It's like all of my items are inside that room. So (laughs) you could wrap it up. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I feel like probably at a different school, there's some amount of like, 
well, I should think about respecting other roommates. Yeah, which I'm sure has its own, like, shitty byproducts, right? Like, yeah, yeah, being a dick about sex or whatever it may be. But I feel like your roommate situation sounds like fun, like, summer camp vibes. Yes, very. Instead of, like, awkward shit. And it's certainly, like, I mean, there were things that happened that were annoying, but never, like... Never friendship ending, not even like friendship straining. Um, and we all did them. Like I did them, Janie did them, Cece did them, Ivy did them. We all did them. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. I feel like it sounds like y'all were like mostly like equals and. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And like, I don't know. I think a lot of it did have to do with the friendship coming out of rooming together. And I think some of it had to do with our personalities and just like luck of the draw. But I do, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to like give myself more credit for the things that like I do kind of like on instinct, but that are still like a skill of some kind. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like one thing that definitely led to it was all of us being very like flexible Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we're not gonna like if so, if one of us had pulled that sex alley move, we would not have stood for it. But like for other things, like it just you know whatever, sure. <laughs> well, I feel like when you have five people, if you sex alley someone, that's ridiculous. Oh my god! Right, that would have also been impossible. Like the people in the double could have done it because okay, so. There was a stairwell that came up and it opened into the common room, but the stairwell went down and like out into the great outdoors. And on the left, as you came in from that entrance was the double and on the right was the triple and you had to walk through the triple to get to the hall out into the rest of the dorm and the bathroom was on the hallway. And so if anyone in the triple had tried to sexile, it would not have worked at all (laughs) right it would have just been a ridiculous request yes you're like wait so I'm either I can't come in which we've established is already rude but like Mm -hmm. if I'm in the common room or like in the double I can't go to the bathroom like I'm trapped in here (laughs) (laughs) awkward horrible (laughs) yep not good I feel like that was good about mine is that it was just the room. Yes. Yes. Like off the hallway. So it's like if you had to pee, that was not affected. Right. Yeah. It's like all or nothing. (laughs) Yep. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I will say one thing about that room is that I never forgot my key. Cece always forgot her key. And on top of that was like never in the room because she was so busy all the time. I don't know how she did it. Hats off to you, Cece. Because she's still doing it. She's out there still doing it. You know you're still doing it. Um, Not forgetting your key, being very busy. Uh, So one I only forgot my key a couple times. The one time I did it freshman year, I went to take a shower in a towel. And I didn't have anything else. No phone, no nothing. Came back to the room, realized I'm just in a shower towel holding my shampoo and I have nothing else. And Janie was out of town. My other two roommates, I think were coming back from a break or going on a break or something. Cece was the only one on campus. And I was like, she's not going to be in there. Oh my God. What am I going to do? I haven't seen her for hours. She's got like dance class. And so I just knocked on the door like, hoping a ghost would answer it or something. And Cece pops out. She's like, oh, did you forget your key? And I was like, thank God! Thank God! <laughs> Skype, like, froze in the middle of that. And I was like, if I don't get the end of this story. Oh, my God. Yeah. But I did. I got here. <laughs> thank with you. the Lord. Yeah. What a weird, what a weird construct also. It is. No, it's like super weird. forced together with random people. Yeah. And then, like, what's, what's weird after college, or I guess in college, but you expect it more then, is when you go visit friends and stay with them and they have housemates. 
And mm-hmm. you, it's not, I mean, not weird in a like judgy way, but it's always kind of weird to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to go and like, we're going to do this and that. And it's like, and I'm also going to be introduced to all these people. <laughs> and like, yes. if and we, like, like, if I take whoever's bedroom, like they're going to sleep on the couch or like, I'm going to sleep on the couch in front of all these people or like whatever the situation is. It's kind of like, all right. <laughs> yeah. And then it's also like, I always have a hard time being like, so are your housemates like your close friends? Like, should we be inviting them to things? Should I be like getting to know them or are they just people that you live with where it's cool to just be like, Hey, nice to meet you. Yes. My, one of my friends has this great story of she, she did that. She went to visit one of her friends who had housemates and it was one of those situations where like they had some system about, you know, if there's, they, they would shut the bathroom door like always and I feel like most people who have housemates realize that you should go on the system of having the door to the bathroom shut if someone is inside but not everyone comes to that conclusion and this was one of those places and so she woke up in the middle of the night and had to pee and she went into the bathroom and she's sitting there in the dark because like I think a lot of people do this when you wake up in the middle of the night you don't want to like turn a light on and wake yourself up more So she's just like in the dark peeing and she hears footsteps and she expects this person to knock on the door or like hang out or whatever. But instead this housemate who she had never seen before opened the door (laughs) and he screamed and she screamed and he screamed and she screamed, close the door. And so we closed the door. I also feel like, that's one of the weirdest parts too of having housemates is like there can be an unknown person in your house at any time and you kind of just have to roll with it because yes. they're like a friend or a partner. <laughs> yes. And whereas usually like if I walked downstairs in my house and there was someone I'd never seen before, I'd be like, what the hell? I'm calling the cops. Yes. But like when you have housemates, if you walk in on someone in the bathroom and they're like, ah, wait, close the door, get out. You have to kind of like just honor it and be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Yes. Stranger that's like I'm surprised that there aren't more stories of like strangers moving into shared houses and like playing housemates off each other being like oh I'm so-and-so's friend (laughs) did you see the horrible story of the man who moved into a woman's closet oh god I just saw the headlines and I was like this is some my favorite murder shit and I am not about it (laughs) She had, like, been feeling like her clothes were disappearing, (gasps) and then she was hearing noises, and then she asked one day, in her fucking room, alone, she heard a noise, and she said, who's there? And the man said his his name, (laughs) and she, like, talked to him, and, like, kept the situation calm, and, like, stealth called the police, (laughs) but she said it was, like, fucking terrifying, (laughs) as it would be. Oh, my God. (laughs) If I, first off, if I thought someone was there, I don't think I would ask. No. No. You don't want to (laughs) know. I also just, it's like, don't ask. And then if someone fucking answered, I would just run. Yeah. I would be, I'd be gone. Right. If I like, cause I, sometimes if I come back to like a space that I share with other people and I'm pretty sure they're not there, I'll still be like, hello. And usually I would expect to get no reply. If I got a reply that was right. like, Hey, it's Dave. I would be like later. <laughs> yeah, I would be like I'm turning the fuck around. <laughs> it just, that is so creepy. Yes. Oh my God. Right. Is that a roommate or is that like a wall mate? <laughs> oh, but there was, um, Phoebe judge who does criminal did a podcast episode about, boys at Ohio <gasps> State where uh they were in a shared house and a man who had lived there in the past or who knew someone who lived there in the past or whatever just moved into their basement oh. and like sort of convinced them that he was just like a housemate but then they like figured out what was going on oh my god but I think he sort of played them off each other like oh so-and-so said I could live here <laughs> 
I listened to that and I was like, this is horrible. It's somehow even worse than it happened in my neighborhood. Yes. (laughs) No. No, I'm super horrified. Like, so horrified that I can only laugh uproariously. Because, like, what the hell? I'm also envisioning this happening in that neighborhood opposite the former Ugly Tuna Saluna. (laughs) (sighs) Which we've talked about. Yes. It's a a scary place. Yes. Listen to the podcast. Yes. That far back. Go back. We have some stories to tell you. Go back. Just Google it. It's like about, wait, no, not really. Almost. It's almost a year ago that we went to see Lord on Easter, the day before Easter or whatever. Oh, yeah. OMG. That was forever ago. Also, I just got, um, my phone just had a pop-up notification of San Francisco must-sees <laughs> for our next adventure. So Yes. We're gradually peeling the onion of information, but for this super <laughs> secret thing that we're doing, which we're now 90% sure is happening. <laughs> what the hell did I text you? It was ridiculous. Oh, God, wait. This actually deserves a, a dramatic reading. While I look, Kate and I are going to San Francisco on super secret business that you will learn about. We are. It's going to be very fun. I think. So um, there was a confirmation email regarding this thing. So We're so mysterious. I tweeted, not tweeted, I texted Cade, all caps, it's happening. And then she replied, and I'm going to do the voice in which this should be read. The good thing we've been in denial about shall come to pass. <laughs> and then... She, like, did a little sign-off in this next text that reads, me is a fortune cookie by accident, Jesus, except there's no punctuation, and so it's even better and more accurate to the tone, because it just reads, me is a fortune cookie by accident, Jesus. (laughs) I I was like, I know what the text meant, but it looks ridiculous. (laughs) It was very like, and in those, and God said, let there be light. (laughs) Yep. Let let there be a super secret exciting thing. <laughs> Which I received this confirmation email about it before I was about to go into an incredibly stressful work meeting. And it was one of those things where like you're experiencing some anxiety and then this you like get a new piece of information that is like positive information, but that comes with its own like jolt of adrenaline. And I have <laughs> never like full body felt an email like that before it was like I got it was like I stuck my finger in a socket or something it was just like whoop and then I was very like okay I'll deal with this after the meeting and like close my computer (laughs) well we're very busy people we're very busy people much like CC in college exactly exactly oh yeah I mean, I've been thinking about a lot. I've been thinking a lot about this recently because I used to be someone who knew how to relax and do nothing, and I don't know when that stopped, but it has stopped. <laughs> I'm not very good at it. I'm okay-ish. I can sometimes turn off my brain with like TV or a podcast, but mostly I feel like we both just like go. Yeah, yeah. And like, I think the downtime I get is sort of like that unfortunate thing of like bouncing between five different apps and not really looking at any of them. Yep. Like Twitter, nothing on Twitter. (laughs) Texting, nothing on texting. Yes. Instagram. Instagram's down. Facebook. Oh, I deleted it from my phone. (laughs) Oh, you're so smart. I feel like I'm in the awkward phase of being like mostly not on Facebook, but then checking and having too many notifications to deal with and then just being like, pretend I wasn't here. Yeah. I took it off my phone ostensibly for Lent and it's never going back on my phone. Like I can say that already. This is the best Lent I've ever had. Um, (laughs) Like, cause I still, it's obviously still on my computer. So I like check it in the morning, check it at night, but I don't miss it at all. Even when I post stuff and it's like, oh my God, that's so cute. Or like, congratulations. Like even that, like, you know, serotonin boost is not missed. (laughs) Yeah. Facebook, I feel like mostly when I look at it, I'm just like stressed out. Exactly. 
what good is it doing me? No yeah, good. free yourself. Take it off your phone. <laughs> I will. I'll work on it. I I very rarely open it, so I feel like I'm like. That's good. See, it was still on my thumb rotation. <laughs> I had yeah. to remove it from my thumb rotation. <laughs> I feel like my news feed has just become like so poorly curated by Facebook's algorithm that I've stopped caring to look at it. Yeah. Where like, I'll just miss like good news and shit from friends and it'll just be like random videos that people post. Oh, totally. It's almost entirely no shade to these people, but it's almost entirely like coworkers or like, um, my parents' friends or whatever. And they're just, they're kind of like, you know, sharing news stories, which is great. Oh, I, (laughs) I will say that there is a segment of news story that I am now very aware I was getting via Facebook. It's sort of like, if there's something major happening internationally and Twitter has not decided to care about it, like, like the plane crash and the then like recall or grounding of a certain type of plane. I was not aware of at all, at all. (laughs) My mom and I were like live texting that because we both hate flying and we both have upcoming plane travels. So yes, if you have any questions about it, I can answer. Well, my mom told me about it. She's like, Oh yeah, I think like that was one good thing. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she was like, well, Southwest had a lot of their planes grounded. And I was like, what are you talking about? And immediately I'm like, Cade Southwest. I was extremely stressed because it's actually the, I, okay. I don't want to sound too positive about our horrible president. Yes. But it's the one thing he's ever done that I agree with. Yes. He mandated the grounding of these planes. Yes, that is correct. I mean, a stopped and, clock is right two times a day and he's not even right two times a day. So I feel like he was overdue <laughs> to do something remotely reasonable. <laughs> I know my mom and I were talking on the phone about it and we were like, what? Trump did something that we don't hate. Yeah. What's happening? Right, like something we don't hate cuz I feel like he's done a handful of things that I don't like hate by itself on a vacuum on paper, but it's always like as part of this broader scheme to score political points that I hate. And so mm-hmm. it's like, okay, you said this marginally nice thing, but I don't trust it and I don't like it. Yeah. Whereas this is like, yeah, you had it it is clearly the right thing to do and it's not part of a broader scheme. Sure. I'll give it to you. <laughs> Meanwhile, my mom was like, I'm sure he has motives that we don't even want to know about. Like, I'm sure there's something <laughs> disgusting behind it. I mean, he's delighted at every opportunity to look better. So we can still hate him for doing it on some level. <laughs> but yeah, the action but itself was positive. <laughs> I was just stressed out because, like, I fly Southwest because they have a good safety record. And then they're refusing to ground these planes. And I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. I only buy plane tickets on Southwest. Why have you done this? Meanwhile, I'm sad that I'm not flying Southwest to our secret San Francisco rendezvous. Um, A, because I love Southwest. B, uh, because my dad came in the other day and was like, hey, do you want these drink vouchers for your flight? And I was like, I'm not flying Southwest. (laughs) He was like, oh, sorry. Walked away again. (laughs) Let me tell you, if you're crying on the plane, they'll sometimes just give you free drinks. That is so good to know. Also, Southwest will give you free drinks if the flight is empty and they need people to move to the back of the plane. They'll be like, there are too many people sitting in the front. If you get up and move and you're seated behind row 20 or whatever, we're going to buy you a drink. (laughs) I would still stay in the front because the most stable part of an aircraft is over the wings, but... Yep. Fine. Yep. <laughs> in case in case you're a listener who does not know about my extreme fear of flying, here we are. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh, am I frozen? Oh. Are we back? I you uh, never we're, left. <laughs> so what are your recommendations this week? Thank you. Yes, moving right along. Um, I rewatched Mindhunter because listeners will recall I rewatched Zodiac last week. Um, and my parents yes. were watching Mindhunter for the first time, so I tagged along. And that show also, discerning listeners and Cade may recall that after I saw it, I was like, I don't understand what everyone was talking about. Because everyone who saw it was like, 
oh, it's about him getting too close or whatever. And I'm like, no, he seems fairly weirded out the entire time. He makes some like poor language choices, but otherwise, whatever. And watching it the second time, A, it's even better a second time. I still love it. But B, I do see, I'm starting to see the like, he does change, but I don't, you know, whatever. (laughs) I might have to rewatch because I had a similar read the first time I watched. Yeah. Um, Also, do we know when the second season is coming out? Because I maybe want to rewatch before. Hopefully soon, because rewatching it, I was like, "Fuck, this is great." <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm excited for a second season. I'm also excited for a second season of VOA, which I still haven't seen the first season um, of. Oh, you should. Can, oh, do you care about spoilers? I don't. Although I have remained okay. fairly spoiler free, but go for it. Uh, so before I watched the show, I saw a tweet from our MFA friend, Susanna, who's a poet that was like, I was really into the OA and I was watching it. And then I realized that it's like a show about the power of dance. I remember that. That's actually the only reason that I wanted to see it. (laughs) So, okay. Yeah. I saw that and I was like, I really don't care about the power of dance. So I hope this isn't true. (laughs) And Then I watched the show and then I got to the end and I'm like, Oh my God, it is about the power of dance, but it's also amazing. (laughs) But if you watch it and you're watching it with that, like, spoiler knowledge of, like, it's going to somehow be about the power of dance, you will still be surprised of how you get there. Yes. And the whole time you're going to be like, what's your problem? (laughs) You were breaking up a little bit during that, but I think we got the gist, which is like, watch it, motherfuckers. (laughs) Yes, that's the basic thing. Uh, Okay, wait continue um let's see what have I been reading oh god it's not a wreck I'll tell you about it afterwards um uh oh this is a rare wreck because I actually have not yet seen it but um the new tv show shrill is getting really good reviews um and looks good and is written by Samantha Irby who I will recommend a book by, although I probably already have on the podcast, which is We're Never Meeting in Real Life. And it's so good and so hilarious. And, like, I'm not a huge, like, actual laugh-out-loud person when it comes to comedy, but that book had me consistently rolling, kind of like Shit's Creek level of finally making me laugh. Um, highly recommend. <laughs> Wait, does Samantha Irby, she writes for Shrill? Yeah. That is good information. That's right. I so, the first two episodes. Yeah, to clarify, she didn't write the book it's based on, but she wrote for the TV right. show. <laughs> right. I watched the first two episodes and wasn't, like, totally in love yet, so... And part of that has to do with, like... The, like, race dynamics in the first few episodes mm-hmm. had me, like, a little worried where I felt like the black roommate was kind of a sidekick. Uh-huh. But I, I want to keep giving it chances. But I do feel like it's very, like, white woman-centric, you know? Doubtless. <laughs> so. So. I don't know. I feel like sometimes things like that also, like, reviews from, like, friends where they're like, I love it so much. And I'm like... Let me tell you the commonality of all of us in this show, white women. Yes, yes, yes. Red <laughs> flag. Yeah. Um, anyway, anyway, I am going to keep watching it, though, because I do think it's, like, funny and interesting. I just love A.D. Bryant a lot. Me too, me too. Although, never mind, I will say what I was going to say after we are not recording. Cool. <laughs> um, what else? I feel like that's it. I didn't have a very pop culture heavy week is that true yes because i was just watching mindhunter (laughs) uh yeah i didn't either is that true uh (laughs) i i listened to an audiobook that was interesting called house on fire oh i feel like it's a rare book that has a lot of plot going on but that i was kind of like okay i'll buy it yeah where, like, all the plot things, I was like, well, that is a fucking bizarre twist, but you've kind of set it up enough that I'll take it. I could see that. <laughs> and it has some really interesting characters, and I feel like, I don't know, interesting meditations on, like, 
grief. So House on Fire by an author whose name I can't remember. (laughs) But we all know how Google works. House on Fire. We do. We do. Um, And is there anything else? Uh, I don't know. Oh, fuck. I watched the first episode of the show and was like, Jackie needs to watch this. It is Turn Up Charlie on Netflix. What? I've never even heard of this. Uh, it is Idris Elba as a DJ. What? A DJ who becomes a nanny to his friend's kid. What? It's so funny. It is so good. I'm like, I know I saw something that I didn't just have mixed feelings about this week. Oh my God. I'm literally, I'm not even, I'm opening Netflix right now to put this in my queue because I can't deal with it. Do not autoplay Queer Eye. I will cut you. Okay. <laughs> um, but I do. I felt like I was like I love this. Jackie will love this. We should both be watching this. Oh my god! I added it. It's done. Also, um, when the bad planes were still flying, we were looking at maybe driving to AWP, which was a horrible idea. But the one good thing was that it went almost near you. Yes. So like, well, we could stop and see Jackie. Yes. Oh my God. How many, how long would that take? 36 hours of drive time. Jesus Christ. So it's like four days of drive. Yes. That's a long time. Yeah. Yes. I am uh, biting the bullet, taking my Xanax and flying on a plane. Yeah. Yeah. That seems, um, another story from the same friend who got walked in on by someone in a toilet. She also, she's not, um, She's not as afraid of flying as you are, but she's also, like, got some stuff around planes. And so her doctor prescribed her some Xanax to take for a flight, for a very long flight, where it was, like, an international flight. And by the time she arrived, she was so, like, unbothered by it that she fully left her luggage on the plane and walked out. And got to passport control and was like, huh, I think I left my bags on the plane. And the passport control guy in a different language was like, okay, have a seat. And so, like, he left, came back, was like, why don't we do the stuff with your passport now? And she was like, okay, great. So they do the passport stuff, and he's like, okay, follow me. And in her head, she's like, oh, wow, I wonder if they're about to, like, arrest me or something. But no, he led her down to, like, baggage claim, and there's a little cart waiting with her checked baggage and then resting on top of it all the stuff she left on the plane. And he was like, have a good day. And she was like, okay, see you later. (laughs) I feel like um, the really hard thing is balancing your Xanax with your adrenaline. (laughs) Such that, like, your adrenaline can keep you going. But the Xanax will keep you from crying on the plane. That's the thing. I mean, it really sounds to me as though the dose he gave her is maybe like the dose for you because she like fully went too far in the other direction. She's just like gliding. She's, She's like, like fuck luggage. Nothing was bothering her at all. I want to feel that way. I have very rarely felt that way on a plane, and I would love to feel that way. No, that sounds like the ticket. I feel like usually for me, it's more like I've taken enough Xanax that I actually can't cry, right. <laughs> but I feel afraid. I, I feel like express it. until I heard that story, I was sort of like, okay, intellectually, I buy that whole anxiety is what saved us from lions bullshit. But like, sometimes I would like not to be worried about being eaten by a lion. But then I heard that story and I was like, you know what? It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> My um, high school biology teacher told me that he, this is someone who is more afraid of flying than I am, Yeah. who told me he stopped taking the Xanax because he realized that if, if and when there was a crash, he needed to be able to save himself. <laughs> and the Xanax would stop him from doing that. I'm like, buddy, if oh. when there's a plane crash, we die. Yes. Holy fucking shit. <laughs> I told my mom that recently, and she was like, wow, that man has the flair for the dramatic. (laughs) That is such a mom statement. (laughs) Yep. Whereas I'm just like, at the time, I was like, wow, that's so metal. (laughs) Like, 
<laughs> that man has a flair for the dramatic. Anyway. Oh my god. Well, friends, yay. Oh my god. All yeah. right, people, you can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Castbox, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Woo! You can follow us on Twitter at Cold Take Podcast, or you can go to our website, thecoldtake.wordpress.com. Yes. And that's all. (laughs) Okay, bye. Bye.